Welcome everybody to the Seattle Sports Union Podcast. My name is Abraham Deweese. I'm back once again with the Ram, Richard A. Michelson, and our very special guest this week from across the pond, the Swans cast guys, Lee Statton and Luke Davies. How are you guys doing? Brilliant, thank you. Thanks for having us on again. It's been uh, yeah, good thanks. Been a while. Thanks for having us back. Yeah, well, we no, are... we appreciate it. We appreciate it. We were just on a podcast with you guys. Um, where, where can uh, folks, uh, if they're Swansea City fans or just fans of uh, British uh, football in general, where can they find you? So you can find us on Twitter where we'll have our links. So just type in Swanscast Media and you'll get us there. But you can either watch us on YouTube, Swanscast again, or listen on Spotify or any podcast service. Again, if you type in Swanscast, we should hopefully come up with one of the top results soon. Great. Uh, now, there's. I have a question. Uh, I know, Rich, you got a whole list there. I'm just going to get mine in real quick. Uh, fans of the Swansea City uh, football team, they're called Jacks. Why are oh, they yeah. called Jacks? Lee, you can answer this one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, there's, yeah, a bit of a story going that. There was um, famously a, a black dog that used to, uh, sorry, rewind a little bit. Swansea's based on the coast, so there's a lot of... Um, a lot of bit of sea, sea activity there and uh, famously there was a dog that used to pull uh, people out of the sea used to go in and help and I think the story was that he uh, saved a few people from drowning um, and he was a black dog and he was called the Swansea Jack so now the, they were called the Jacks that's the that's where it comes from it's kind of a yeah quite a nice story really <laughs> nice great um I was gonna say that uh, I, I guess a, a general question um you know as a Abe and I are, are from Seattle and uh, Seattle has been growing like gangbusters and we really would like it to stop um, <laughs> and go, go back to where they're from. Just curious <laughs> if you, if you folks like, uh, like people moving into your area or coming and visiting for, for tourism, or if you want them to all stay away. No, I don't what a great like, soccer like question there, Rich. I know. <laughs> I like, the, I like seeing uh, a lot of different people. I, yeah. I mean, Oh, I don't want to go too political, but obviously we've had that whole Brexit stuff in UK and there's a massive conversation about, I guess, what you've just asked, really. But I wanted to stay and, yeah, so I'd be happy to have people come visit and check out the area. Because I think, you know, the world should be more connected and that's one way. To, you, you meet new people, find out about the culture and it's just interesting, isn't it? That was a fine politician's answer, that was. <laughs> Oh, I do. It's hard. Well, I guess perhaps for you guys, it won't be. If we said talked about this on our podcast, you'd get all the opinions underneath in the comments about <laughs> yeah. about Brexit and why is yeah, we're not getting to that. But yeah. All right. Well, we we first met, um, gosh, a couple of years ago when um, Jordan Morris from the Seattle uh, Sounders transferred on a loan over to Swansea City. Uh, is it is it a AFC? Did I get that right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think, yeah. I, uh, I guess associate uh, association football club is that a full wrong. the full name there, AFC. Uh, it is. It is AFC. Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, um, and, and and since then, um, Swansea has has become a, a little bit of my my team to follow in the English Championship, uh, and I'm I'm just going to jump right in. How how are Swansea doing this year? So, we're doing okay. Actually, it didn't start off that way. We're going to right now. We're currently, actually, I haven't checked today's results. So other than the day of recording, right, the, prior to the results of today, because our game is tomorrow, we were, I think, three points off the top or four points off the top or something like that. Um, really tight this year. 
that's something no one's really running away with it, grabbing it by the scruff of the neck. But if you go back a month, we were in the relegation zone and it was the end Ooh. of the world. People were questioning the manager, like, oh, you've had a year now, you've had the summer, nothing's changed, same problems are all still here. And then we went on a really good run. So we won, um, I think it's six wins in like eight games, I think it was. We had, during that time, four wins in a row and they were good wins against some of the teams that have got relegated in the last two years from a Premier League, where West Brom and Watford specifically. So yeah, it's looking a lot better than it was a month or so ago and we're going into a big game tomorrow against Cardiff and we're hoping we can take that form into that game because that's very important for us. But yeah, it's going to okay at the moment. Yeah, I, I, will, I will say that the um, the championship at the moment is the most, at its most crazy I've ever seen in my life. It's Everybody's beating everybody. I think at the moment you can maybe sop, separate first place down to 15, 16th by about six or seven points it just seems that you win a couple of games and you're three points off the top if we lose a couple of games now we'll be looking down into the relegation zone and i've never seen it so competitive so yeah it's just a bit mad at the moment Does that, uh, is that because there's is, is there more equal talent as far as parity or is it just a wacky random yeah we've yeah. we've tried to discuss this on, on our podcast a couple of times and we're trying to work out if if the standard has dropped a lot and that maybe the quality is not as good um or if you know maybe COVID has had an impact where the lower teams in the in the league system haven't really recovered that well. Nobody's spending any money really. Everybody's just looking for sort of free players. So anybody who's not attached to a club and loan yeah. players from from the bigger teams. Um, so I I, th- I think it's maybe maybe a bit of both. I think when we look back to maybe when we were higher up in the championship before we went up to the Premier League, the standard was was a lot higher. Um, so I, th- I think that's I think it's a mix of both. Teams are struggling financially to find the quality players, and and I think uh, yeah. So as a result, the standard has dropped as well. So it's really competitive. It's just you're, you're moving up and down the table all the time. Didn't you guys? Um, didn't you guys just get rid of your GM or your president or something like that? Uh, I no, I don't think anyone's gone big. There was someone last year. Oh, it was last year. Uh, Sorry. Okay. Yeah. I think, I think it, was it was Trevor Birch, was it? Oh yeah, that oh, was a while ago. Yeah, but um last in the last couple of months i think head of recruitment left at some point in the last year or so uh which was out of the blue and the number two to russell martin as well he's number two um was there any big names of like no one in the directors or nothing recently i think jake silverstone has come in but i think i was thinking of the guy that you got rid of last year because you guys were not Uh, happy with him at all (laughs) (laughs) we were happy with him we're not happy with the replacement Oh, so, yeah. Julian Winter was coming for him. Trevor Birch is doing a really good job now, and he's in charge of like something to do with the actual league. Um, I can't remember the exact the exact role, but that's where he went from us. Okay. Um, he seemed to put the club back on a straight and narrow. We had the American owners that we have had issues with, but as him as an in between the fans of the club, like and the Americans, was he was bringing everything back together, and then he went, and the guy that's coming is not doing uh. as well at doing that. So yes, man. Again, um, I'm just looking here at the table. There's there's 24 um 20, 24 clubs in the championship, the EFL championship. It's the it's the league right below the Premier League for our for our listeners. And I'm just gonna go through the teams. These are teams that are either like long histories, been really solid in the championship, or recently were in the Premier League. Okay, and this is kind of amazing to me as I look at the table here. I'm going bottom to top. Huddersfield Town, which I think three years ago were made it to the Premier League. They are yeah. um, uh, uh, Sir Patrick 
Stewart's team. That's, 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 that's right. That's, yeah. that's his that's his home club uh, that he loves. Um, and I remember the the last day of the season when they clinched going to to promotion a few years ago. Like he was in the stands and he's cheering and anyway, so it's just kind of crazy that they're in twenty uh, fourth place. They're the last on the table. West Brom Albion. Uh, a few years ago, they were in the Premier League. Middlesbrough, um, Cardiff, Wigan, mm. Stoke City, Hull City, Watford, Sunderland, um, and then up uh, to Swansea, um, and then uh, Norwich, and Burnley, Blackburn Rovers, Queen's Park Rangers. I didn't go to the whole table, but just that's like 12 teams that all have substantial fan bases, substantial financial backing, long histories have always really been pretty good at, at football. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm an outsider. I haven't watched very much in the last couple of years of, of the championship, but that just seems like a lot of parody. I mean, those clubs all yeah, seem like yeah. they have a similar kind of level of everything. Yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult to get out of the league, basically. Yeah. So there's a lot of big... Obviously, as history goes by and more clubs go up and down, up and down, people have a period where they're a big club in the, in the big league, in the Premier League. Right. And then eventually they're not there anymore. Right. And um, and they all, you could say we're, we're filtering into this one league of has-beens or knocking on the door and only three can go up. So it's, it's tough. Yeah, it's really hard. But like you said there, you've got all teams there that have been in the Premier League in the last sort of 10, 10 years at least. Um, so everyone thinks they, they're good enough to be back there. So that's why it's so competitive. But what you tend to find is new teams go up each year. So that's another team added to the list that has that Premier League experience. I mean, Brentford, Brentford went up recently. Yeah. yeah. But I think what, what's happening is teams build over a long, long time to be ready to go up. Brentford was a good example. And when we did go up a few years ago, there was a long building process and what you do is when you come back down the financial hit of coming down just seems to it can decimate clubs and they can be stuck in the championship for a long time um and i think that's what happens but then it just makes the league so competitive like you said you've got middlesbrough and west brom in the in the bottom three at the moment it's crazy to think because west brom did west brom come down last year i think did they uh yeah or maybe this the, year is the before. second season this second season second, yeah but i think yeah west brom are known for being able to have been pretty good in the last couple of years of coming down and going back up. I was so going to say they're now drifting away. Burnley for you, if you want. Burnley and Norwich seem to be like really good at that yo-yo thing yeah. too. And Watford, yeah, yeah, they've, they've been up and down at least three or four times since like 2015. I want to say so. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's a skill or <laughs> or if just you look at Blackburn, right? If you look at Blackburn, they're in second place in the table right now, but they've got seven losses. Yeah. This is to put into perspective about the Titans. Seven yeah. losses in second place, but then you've got Coventry in the relegation zone, and they've had five losses. <laughs> wow. And and there's there's a points difference of 14 points between them. Now, granted, yeah. Coventry got a couple of games in hand, right? So me, even if you look at West Brom, who are also in relegation with a similar games played, they, they've had six losses. So they've still lost less than the team in second place, but they are like 16 points behind. So, right. Well, it's also, crazy, crazy. Hull City, who's mid-table, they're 16th, they have a negative 11 goal differential, which is, yeah. okay, um, Abe doesn't like statistics Hates or stats. any sort of Don't analysis like and anything, but 
but goal differential for uninitiated uh, sports fans in Seattle, if you, if you it's just, it's, it's, do you score more or less goals than the other teams you play against? And usually teams at the bottom of the table have a negative goal differential and teams at the top have a positive goal differential. And usually the top couple of teams have a significantly bigger goal differential than anyone else and vice versa at the bottom. And I'm looking at this goal differential table, mind you, you're only partway into the season, but still it's, it's a little bit wacky. Um, yeah, it's all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. I was also yeah, going to see that uh, six points separate first through ninth place. Yeah, so, it's, it's mad. And it's games in hand. So tomorrow, oh, um, right. as of recording, some of the fixtures are tomorrow. And that might get tighter if some, when some of them win. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So if you look at, we had our horrendous start to the season where we were sort of down the bottom. We went on this good run of winning six games in eight and I think we've got our derby game tomorrow against Cardiff but if we were to win that game then we'd be three points off off top of the league all of a sudden and you're talking about a swing of you know six or seven weeks that we're sort of back at the right end of the table and it could equally just go back the other way in a few weeks so that is actually a great segue to um to, to, to so talk to me about this 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 derby this big matchup with I, i'm assuming your biggest rivals at least in league in in league right yeah. um and and cardiff just a little background for our, for our, our listeners cardiff and swansea are the exception to the rule they are in the nation of wales um and normally if you're in wales you are in the welsh leagues and the welsh league system but cardiff and swansea have been in the english system for time i don't know time immemorial and oh, wow. um, they're the exception to the rule. They're in the English uh, pr- uh, pyramid. So, uh, guys, talk talk to me about this match. Talk, tell me why I should get up at five in the morning to watch this live on on ESPN Plus. Uh, well, last year we won seven nil over the two legs, so it was a very <laughs> good experience for us. Just have to throw that out there. First time in history last season where either club has won both games. It's called doing the double on your rivals. So you play each other twice, you play home and away. And then the what? How many years is it, Lee? Like the history? 80 years? 110 years. 110 year history. No one has ever won both games in the same season. So it was a massive deal for like, every year we go into like this new season in the same league and it's like, oh my God, right? Someone could make history here. And we finally did it last year. And you can't underestimate the power that that's going to have now in this in this match and how forever that's going to be a big deal like and they obviously hate it and we're loving it um seven nil so it's three nil and a four nil win so it's not even like we did it just about we did it in style under the current manager so we like really want to i guess go forwards and carry that really good form on yeah but it's you know you could talk about the form we said about the six wins and eight whatever doesn't mean anything going into this match it just goes out the window because it's like the emotion takes over, if you like. Um, so sometimes you're going to see like a red card, a couple of big tackles, you know, a bit of argy-bargy, like off the ball stuff, handbags, if you like, or whatever you call it. I don't know if you know the terminology I'm using, but a bit of fighting off the ball, basically, where <laughs> it's fighting, but it's not fighting because you're not allowed to do that in football. So it's like they, they, they make a big deal. They all start pushing each other, but actually nothing happens is what I mean. Well, sometimes if it does happen, they get a red card to me. But um, yeah big affair in Wales. We like to think it's one of the biggest derby yeah, matches. Just you to, like uh, to say the two of us are in the league, but in the English leagues, but there's a couple of other big derbies. But we like to say ours is good. 
just yeah, just to sell just to sell the derby a bit. I mean, we're biased because we think we think it's one of the biggest. Uh, I think it's it's unique in the sense that obviously you've mentioned that we are well, we've we've also got Newport who are in the English system now, but they're and a little Wrexham. bit lower down, and Wrexham who are out out of the football league at the moment. So there's there's those two teams as well. But historically, Swansea and Cardiff have been quite high up in the in the system. So the fact that we're the two Welsh clubs, um, it's the kind of the two biggest cities in Wales. It's a small country, the two biggest cities. Uh, so there's there's always there's always been that rivalry. And I mean, you know, I know you've got your Man United against Man City, but they're within the same city. So you kind of have you might have families, you might have you know your father supports Man United, but your son supports Man City, and there's that. And same with Liverpool and Everton, they're in the same same city. Just so there's a bit of crossover. But with Swansea and Cardiff, it's about a, about a forty five minute drive between the cities, so it's not far. But you're far enough in the sense that you don't cross a lot of fans. You know, one in, or the in, other, in quite often. Yeah. So I think when when the teams meet, it's uh, it, it's hostile. It's, it's it's nothing like I've ever experienced. When like I got a season ticket for the football, and I go every week. But when you walk into the stadium on Derby Day, you feel it straight away. You just feel it in the air that it's oh my god, your heart starts pounding. We can't lose this game. You can't possibly <laughs> lose this game. Can't There's even imagine a- losing it. A couple of seasons um, ago, yeah, right? It's going to be brilliant. And Lee, Lee can talk about this one as well. A couple of seasons ago, we both got into the playoffs, and there was a chance oh, yeah. that if we both won our first legs, we were in the other side of the bracket, if you like. So there was four teams. We were against someone, they were against someone. And if we had both won, because we would take the same trip to Wembley, essentially, we'd have to drive through Cardiff and then the same road. The, the, they were going to escort the Swans buses by police, right? And they were going to take a route that was going to take, like, two or three hours extra to go up through the valleys to avoid Cardiff just to save any trouble. But they were so worried <laughs> about what implications that, that could have on all 40,000 Swansea fans and 40,000 Cardiff fans coming into yeah. Wembley Stadium in the playoff final. It was a logistical nightmare and the police were like, I think they were it's happy. Happy Cardiff somebody lost. lost. I, I, heard rumors that the, uh, <clears throat> I heard rumors that the army were going to get involved to help with the travel as well, if that was the case. Yeah. But it's a fun fact that we're still the only... Uh, I can't remember who the last one was this year, but um, in in the English system, they've got something called a bubble trip where you can't travel by your own means to the game. You have to go on official club travel, so all the fans are controlled together. And I, I it might have been uh, there was one derby left this year. There was there was two games in the system. Swansea and Cardiff was one of them, and I can't remember the second one. But that other game had dropped their bubble trip rule, so we're now only the only bubble trip um, rule in the English system at the moment is so you yeah. cannot travel. So I live I live closer to Cardiff than I do to Swansea. I sort of live closer that way. So when I went to the Derby game last year, it would take me about 10 minutes to drive into Cardiff. Um, but I had to drive all the way back to Swansea. Wow. Get the bus <laughs> from Swansea to Cardiff, get the bus back to Swansea and then drive back to, uh, back to just near Cardiff uh, all in the same day. Uh, that's just because they have to keep the fans separate at all times. That day. But let's let's be honest. You really enjoyed yourself going to yeah. and from that match on the on the team bus, oh. on the sponsored bus, didn't you? It was absolutely worth it. I wouldn't change it for the world. <laughs> yeah. And it was the it was the first double last year. So yeah, brilliant. What a day. What's the what's the main um, difference between the two cities? Like, is there or is it uh, ah. difference through similarities? Um, I know in our other podcast we were talking about Wales England a little bit and. The, the rivalry there. I'm not saying it's the same, but Cardiff is the capital city of Wales. 
Swansea's the number two. And there's always been a kind of historic thing where you feel like you're just missing out with a lot of things, I think. And if you're going to talk about the money and the investment, there's always a little bit less in Swansea, perhaps, than there is in Cardiff. So everything that comes with that, basically, I think, is where a lot of it comes from. But then it's like, you could say the little underdog or the little the little brother or something. And that's why when it's, I don't know, I, I feel like it's so much bigger for us when we get the wins of Cardiff. And if you look at our recent history, I don't want to jinx us for tomorrow at all, but... The Cardiff fans have been really, really frustrated with their team's performances for a number of years now. And the amount of passion that their club's put into this match compared to us, and we get the results. And I feel like that's where that comes from a little bit. Don't know All right. Well, yeah, well, I, go ahead. Go ahead, Lee. Oh, sorry. No, I was just going to just back in on what Luke said. It is like a slight political element with that, that with the funding sort of issues. Everything seems to be going into Cardiff. Um, and yeah, like you said, with Cardiff's resources, I mean, They've got so much investment that goes into Cardiff. It's a much bigger city. It's a thrive. It's thriving much more than Swansea, I would say. Um, but it, yeah, so you think that Cardiff should be way better than they are. The club should be massive, but um, it just seems to be that the the little old Swansea seem to be uh, getting the one up over the last couple of years. All right. Well, I um, I, I was going to go into to your favorite uh, rivalries in, in uh, the English uh, and UK football, but I think we need to move on to the World Cup. So, t- guys, you're not excited at all, are you? Yeah, we are. <laughs> it's the Just first World bit. Cup in like Just my lifetime. So, um, so, so on a scale of one to complete pandemonium, tell me how you're going to be at that with that first match with uh, that the Wales plays here uh, coming up at the the World Cup in, in November against the United States at that. Yeah, so if you could if you could just go over if you could go over the edge of complete pandemonium, <laughs> I think the country's on that edge I, at the moment. I'm just gutted that it's non-summer because I would like, I want to be I want to be drinking beer in a beer garden watching the <laughs> football in an, at a reasonable time of day. <laughs> but it's going to be yeah, a complete different to anything we've ever experienced what, with a big tournament before. What time? What time is that match going to be for you guys? Oh, I'm not sure about the USA one. Isn't the <laughs> I think at like the, 10 o'clock? I think the USA game is is at a good time for us. I think it's in the evening. I think it's seven o'clock in the evening for the first game. But I think our game against Iran is ten o'clock in the morning. It's just all over um, the place. It's a bit weird. But I mean, yeah, I think I think we've been a bit spoiled because traditionally for us the World Cups have been at brilliant times, and it's always in the summer, and it just seems to fill everybody's summer. And it's been brilliant. So I think, um, yeah, we're, we're we're happy to take it. Does this play any kind of havoc on uh, league play? In Europe, yeah, I mean, the, uh, we've never had, uh, yeah, we've never had a break in the season in in history, to my knowledge. So the season usually runs from August to May time, um, but this year we've got to stop in. Uh, we're stopping in a few weeks, aren't we? November, no, I think November the tenth, maybe around that area is the last game, and then it stops for a month, and then it, it picks up again then um, just before Christmas. Um, but the World Cup will still be going on. So the championship starts up again, I think, on the 11th of December. Um, but the, I think the knockout stages of the World Cup will still be going on. So if Wales somehow get to the, the later stages of the World Cup, we'll be without some players. That'll be a good problem to have. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I'm sure we'll get there. I'm sure we'll win the World Cup. <clears throat> if, you beat, if you beat England, I will send Sorry. you guys a bottle of champagne if you beat England. Oh, <laughs> 
Uh, I mean, we, uh, we, we, I mean, we've had this conversation a few times, haven't we? I think I would, I would take going out of the World Cup and just beating England. Yeah, I would, <laughs> I would take it now. I would take it. Hundred percent. Yeah, I would take it. Yeah. So, so talk. Let's talk to me about how this Wales team plays. I mean, Gareth Bale is like the most famous by like leaps and bounds Welsh player, but obviously there are eleven, eleven, uh, you know, fellows who are going to be on on the pitch. What? what can we expect to see from Wales and how, how would they win matches if they, if they are to win matches? Maybe also throw in a couple names that Americans should think about when we play you. Uh, Lee, I think you'd be better to talk about perhaps the tactics behind the Wales Cause you, you watched the games more than I have the Welsh ones anyway, because of my work. But um, in terms of names, Gareth Bale is the obvious one. Um, and we've spoken in our podcast about Aaron Ramsey potentially being involved if he's fit he'll be there he, he kind of like don't turn up for friendlies and then turns up for the big ones so i'd expect to see him joe allen would normally be one i would chuck in there but he's he's playing for the swans now he's back come back we he started with us he went to liverpool went to stoke and now he's back but he's injured and it looks like he might miss out which is very disappointing um but is what it is dan james is another one that is one of our regular attackers he again came through the swansea academy well sort of we bought him in and then he, he made his name but he played played for man united for a couple of years people might remember his name from his time at man united um but he would be out wide got a bit of pace so maybe not not quite like jordan morris with his physicality but when you mentioned before that jordan morris and his pace is a really big part of his game well dan james and his pace is, pr- is pretty much his game like if he can't run past people i don't think he's as good as as he is maybe controversial, but he's finishing in the best. It's just he's got really, really good speed. But Lee, I don't know if you can develop on that a little bit. Yeah, in terms in terms of the way that we play, it's very much uh it's very much dig in with a with a lot of heart and soul and um we play with sort of five at the back, um, with a couple of real hard workers in midfield. Like you've got Joe Allen, for example, who's um notorious for just running everywhere in midfield and tackling everyone and and that sort of thing and then you've got Bale in front of him then where if you can provide him with a chance um, and maybe Dan James as Luke, Luke said alongside him who played for Man United for a little bit um, so yeah in terms, in terms of our style of play it's hard to it's hard to sort of pinpoint it at the moment it's you should never say that you're a one-man team but it is how do we get Gareth Bale a chance how do we get him into yeah. the game uh and, and he can he can produce the magic, but I think they've done it well in terms of there is a quite a good supporting cast around him. It's no world class players, but some real good players that fit into his shape, a defensive unit. Uh, so we've got like Joe Roden, for example, who used to play for Swansea. He now he went he went to play for Tottenham, and now he's he's gone on loan to a team in France, but he still belongs to Tottenham. Um, we've got Ben Cabango who plays for Swansea at the moment. We've got Ben Davis who plays for Tottenham. Real good just really good defenders that will block everything and really good defensive units. So that's what we sort of pride ourselves on. And then we, we build from that. And then we build sort of from the hard work in midfield into give Bale a chance, get Bale a free kick in the, in the right yeah. area. Should probably uh, so mention Keeper more because if we play with Keeper him, more, yeah. he's the sort of guy that's going to win the balls up top a bit tall, going to win the headers, get the knockdowns, and then the others can play off him. Uh, but yeah. he used to play for Cardiff, so I don't like to give him too much credit. But yeah, when he's got a whale shirt on, we all support him. Uh, sorry, I didn't catch the name of that that gentleman. Kiefer Moore. 
Ethan Moore. Okay, so he's a he's a a, a, a back to the goal knockdown. Yeah, yeah. he plays for Bournemouth in the Premier League at the moment. So okay. Um, and then, so do you do you see Bale as a, I don't know what to call him, like a cheerleader? <laughs> no, no, like. Do you see as far as get get bail the ball? If you've got this target forward, well, qu- question first: Does he start? Bail, yeah. Oh, bail starts every game if he's fit. Okay, um, but right. he doesn't have a position. He plays. He just goes what he wants. Everyone else has a has a job, and Bale does what he wants. I'm just curious because he hasn't started for LAFC all year. Oh, it, it was safe. He didn't play for Real Madrid for years, but he's always starting for Wales. He's okay. captain and. You say about the one-man team, like you know, when we went to the Euros, it pretty, people were calling us Bales, not Wales, <laughs> like, because of his impact and his free kicks and and. Yeah. But yeah, like he wears on his heart on his sleeve for Wales. It is the most important thing to him in his career, and he's openly talked about it several times. So, you know, when he's maybe not playing so much for his clubs, and you're saying he's injured, or you know, he could play perhaps, but he doesn't want to because he's got a little bit of a knock. He doesn't have that when he comes to Wales. He will. He, he wants to play every minute that he can. So yeah, he does, and that's rare for us because normally teams are uh, players are looking for a way out of playing for Wales. Yeah. So so he he's gonna he's gonna put it all out on the on the pitch is what you're saying. He doesn't really have a position other than he's probably gonna be more in the attack than in yeah. the midfield. Is that is that fair? He'll be in between. Yeah. He'll be like. Um, you probably play. It depends if Kiefer Moore is playing. If 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 Kiefer Moore isn't playing, he might lead the line. But if he does play with Kiefer Moore, he'll just be like, right, Kiefer Moore, you lead the line, but Gareth Bale will just flow around behind him anywhere. Yeah, so you'll see him popping. You'll see him popping up in midfield, trying to get the ball, trying to create a play, trying to start something, and yeah. then you might see him on the end of a cross in in the box. He's, he'll will just be everywhere, mm-hmm. but more more so attacking. Sounds sounds like a kind of like a, a a classic second forward playing off the off the target man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. He 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 actually like obviously he's a much better player than than Clint Dempsey was, but in, to a certain degree, it sounds a lot like Clint Dempsey, where you just come and find the ball, come and find yeah. the game, wherever wherever that is, and. Um, do you, do you see for, for Wales to be successful, does Gareth Bale have to be more scorer or more facilitator? Uh, oh, I don't know. I think I think his role has changed a lot lately with the, in terms of obviously his he's a lot older now. So where before he used to sort of pick up the ball in midfield and run the whole pitch and score goals. Um our supporting cast has got a lot better. I mean, historically Wales has had to dip into the real lower leagues of of the of the football system to find players who are qualified to play for Wales, uh, which is why we've never been able to to get into you know the World Cup and the, and the European Championships. So now that we've got a, a Gareth Bale, um, that alone I know we say we're a one man team, but that alone is probably not enough. But now there seems to be a decent enough amount of players playing in the Premier League that can also contribute to the goal. So we we do see a lot more now of Bale. Putting in good crosses for Kiefer Moore, who's scoring a lot of headers for Wales. You've also got um, uh, a player called Brennan, Brennan Johnson, Johnson at the moment. Yeah. yeah, we've got a player called Brennan Johnson at the moment, who's currently playing for Nottingham Forest, who have just been promoted to the Premier League. Uh, he's chipped in with a few goals. It's um, kind of like the next, the next thing. To yeah, there's a couple. Of, there is there's a couple because... of more. There are a couple of more contributions coming from the goal side of things, and Bale is sort of. He, we we still 
will obviously rely on him getting goals from free kicks and he will still uh, be looking to get some goals. Yeah. But we have seen that different side of him for Wales where he's contributing, you know, assists around now. So the goals are being shared out a I bit more. I think he's like a talisman of inspiration to everyone else when he's on the pitch more than anything as well. That's It's yeah. not just about what he offers as a footballer. He, he tends to raise everyone else's game while he's there. So it just we work better with him there because of his name, because of his history, because he is like the best player. He's a world-class player in the squad, so everyone just is better because of it. Wonderful. Thanks for, for explaining that. Um, can you can you also expand a little bit on, I guess, the, the, the relationship for footballers, soccer players, um, between their professional job, who pays the bills, and their international duty, going to the World Cup. Is there any analogy, is there any comparison in any other sport to the importance of the World Cup and international football um, with, you know, comparison to the professional game? I've I've been racking my brain the last hour when we've been on your podcast, on your show, as well as on our podcast, to think of anything that comes close. But I was wondering if you can explain Um, or expound on that a little bit. Maybe like the if if you want something as more I was gonna say rugby world cups the same like the rugby players find it like playing for the country I like a lot of rugby fans prefer watching the international rugby to the the club rugby so it's even more so in in rugby if anything like it's the pinnacle for like any rugby player to play for your international yeah. team and, and have a career there but um if you want something that's more relatable perhaps for your audience. To football and what it means to football is going to these big events like the big players, the Ronaldos, the Messi, and winning the World Cup and how, or, the, or the Euros, and how how important that is for their career. Maybe it's like athletes going to the Olympics, sort of thing, where like that's the pinnacle for them. Hockey, where, you know, yeah, trade. hockey. That that's that's very yeah. good, Luke. I agree with you. Yeah, just oh, like like any like an, any Olympic event. I think like just hockey, like whatever it is, like. They train, they do all these other little events, but the Olympics is everywhere. It's all over the t- like the TVs in every country, and there's a there's a table for like um, how many medals each country wins, and everyone's quite invested. Like I don't watch a lot of the events in the Olympics any other time other than when they're in the Olympics. Yeah. And I think the football World Cup or the soccer yeah. World Cup has that same pull, and I think the audience viewing figures for like the final reflect it as well and how big it is I across think- the world. Yeah, I think as well, you're right when you say it's the pinnacle, I think. Um, Although, obviously, there's a lot of emphasis on club football because of the money. Um, But I think when players get to the World Cup, I think it's where where legends are made in the game. I I know there's a lot of talk all the time about Ronaldo or Messi, who's better. And and you keep seeing it every World Cup. They think if Ronaldo wins this World Cup, if Messi wins this World Cup. I think, for example, if Argentina win the World Cup this year, and and he's messy lifts the trophy. I think that sort of cements him as the best, or vice versa with Ronaldo. I think that's how big the World Cup is. The club football is um, is obviously massive. There's people have massive careers, but I think where obviously there's a lot of money in the in the club game at the moment. I think when players go to the World Cup, this it's for the love of the game. It's just for the pure passion of the game, playing for the country. I think that's the big difference. Rich, you remember you remember a runner named uh, Ben Johnson uh, from England. Yes. Uh, smoked a little weed, so therefore he got his you know medals taken away from him because uh, apparently that's the worst thing ever. Um, but yeah, he had won the Commonwealth Games. He had won all these other events, but it was he's known for the Olympics 
and you know having his medal stripped from him uh i mean that that would be an equivalent right because uh yeah he did way more than just you know win the olympics but uh he had to win a million other events to to get there but uh, um carl lewis same thing yeah are you a skier how about how about peekaboo street rich oh yeah yeah i guess that's true I like um, Andy so Murray, a back, British tennis player the, in tennis. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was going to say the only thing that I can really relate to, you know, the more American sports is it's like the sacrifices. I think that um, a baseball player, a basketball player, or a um, NFL player would make to be on a team that's going to go to the championship, to the World Series, to NBA Finals, to Super Bowl is the only thing that I can think of. Like there, there are lots of players that are excellent players. And then they like take, you know, a huge cut in their salary. They take the league minimum to go play on a team that they think is gonna, is gonna go do it. And, you know, they're, they're willing to sacrifice, um, you know, lots of stuff to, to get to that pinnacle, I guess. Um, is the only thing I can think of. So, um, I think that maybe that's a, a, a good transition unless you guys have more to say about the world cup or the group or anything else. Um, I know you want to stick it to England and anything else we should add. No, I think it's just a good experience. But like I said, it's Wales have not been in the world cup since we've been alive. So it's, it's, it's just the first for us. And I just hope to see us do well. Rich, do we want to, do we want to ask the tough question about the world cup being in Qatar? Um, do we want to go there? I mean, we can certainly go there. Do you, do you guys have any um, moral qualms with uh, Qatar hosting the, uh, the, the, the World Cup? I, I do, but I don't know. Yeah, I'd rather it didn't happen, for sure. Um, I just It just doesn't make sense, does it? And the cost that it's come at as well. You know, it's one of them, like, catch-22, because the people that put the effort in, even though it's been really poor conditions, like, how do you protest against it if you say, like, teams shouldn't go? Is that the right way to do that? I don't know if it is because it's all been done now, and I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to sort of know what the right thing to talk about is with that. But FIFA just have a lot to answer for, and it need, needs to be changed, and it needs to do better going forward in the future. I think. Yeah, I think I think for selfish reasons, we're a bit. Um, it's a little bit disappointing because it's, it, it may be the only World Cup that we see Wales in in our lifetime. I mean, it's the first one we've had with the players retiring probably after this we may not see another one um so for selfish reasons i think oh did it have to be so inaccessible because we had a look at maybe traveling to qatar and uh yeah. it's, I, I find it i find it impossible to go i don't know how fans I didn't are actually managing I didn't bother looking. is it distance I, I mean, or is it cost is it expensive or what well, it's, it's a bit of everything the, the cost of being able just to get a flight there and trying to stay the, the rules um, while you're there as well and just like the experience i know you're respecting the country that you're in which is fine but then it comes back to the whole argument why is it there in the first place because yeah. you yeah. bring in this event that is all these things to a country that isn't and it just does not line up um it's just money and, that, and that, that's what speaks is money and that's the problem isn't it so like yeah, it's hard to talk about, and, and and I guess everyone's hypocritical in a way. If you're going to go watch the games, and that's what I was trying to refer to earlier, was saying like, what's the right way to even really have a stance on it? Like, you should say, well, the team shouldn't go, but I don't know. We're all hypocrites in a way, aren't we? But I think we just all need to do better in regards to stuff like this in the future. And like other sports are going the same way, 
you know, I don't know if you look at motor racing or Formula One, it's all about money there and the races they're adding to the calendar. I know you've had a couple added in America, but in terms of the tracks and the sport, it's just it's, it's just money all the time. I, I know we're up against the clock here, but uh, I do I do have a uh, question. We mentioned this on your podcast, but just want to throw it on this one as well. Uh, uh, last year, uh, bunches, a bunch of teams in Europe wanted to create a Super League. We're seeing a similar thing here in America with college football, where a couple conferences are trying to gobble up all the most uh, lucrative lucrative universities, and uh, it's it's just kind of funny because uh, the precedent the precedent was set in Europe, and now it's fil- filtering to America. But one thing I saw in Europe, you guys really fought. You fought the establishment, at least for now, you know. Um, and I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on. Uh, uh, what did it take? I mean, I, I was skeptical. I didn't think you guys were going to uh, knock knock down the greed. Um, it's hard to answer that as Swans fans because we weren't really involved. We were like looking from the outside. But I know Chelsea fans did a big protest, didn't they, Lee, uh, the, in one of their games? Luke, that was I, one of the biggest catalysts because they were the first club to leave. I think. Sorry, sorry to interrupt you, Luke, but I know I listened to your podcast and it, you yeah. guys were discussing it. So the, all your listeners. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, what I mean is like yeah. we have the views on it, but our club wasn't directly impacted going to be in the super league. Okay. We would have been affected from the fact that those big clubs, perhaps that pull all the money into the football system are gone. And then the impacts that would have on us and how would our league then look as a result. But what I mean is in terms of the fight against it, um, it wasn't like Swans fans really did anything. It was more the clubs involved that really pushed against it. And, and the one example being Chelsea had a massive protest about it and they were the first club ultimately then i think that did pull the plug i think they used wood and i said they never really committed in the first place and they tried to like uh gaslight in that respect a little bit but yeah yeah i think the uh the the chelsea protest was the was the last straw i think because yeah i think they protest in a way before a match where they all the fans are outside the stadium and the, the team bus couldn't get in and i think um petr Cech, who used to play for chelsea uh, was was on the was on the board in some way at the time had to come out and sort of plead with fans to move out of the way and they sort of stopped the game going ahead and there were there were there were many protests around the country with fans and I think the Chelsea one was where it um, they they eventually yeah. pulled out then but yeah I mean yeah I, I I still can't believe they stopped it I I was surprised but um, we'll see for now I, I may maybe pick up pace again soon. Yeah, so that's what I was referring to. Is more like we all have the views. It does affect us, but what actually stopped it happening and who made the biggest impact? It was the fans of the clubs involved more than more than ourselves. That's all. So just to finish up, your country is in the World Cup for the first time in your lifetime. Yeah, far beyond your lifetime. What? What thing from your your future? Think think like maybe like uh, channeling Lent, where you give up something to prepare for uh, you know the the holy holidays and whatnot, right? So w- what are you willing to give up for um, getting out of the group stage or beating England in the World Cup? Uh, throw it at throw it at you, others, you and Luke Lee. Uh, yeah, um, that's a specific question. Yeah, I can, you can go first. I'm gonna. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, throw you around you your favorite dish or uh oh 
Yeah, I mean, not not drink beer for a month. I don't know. Whatever. Pete in England would be the one. Pete in England's the one, like we said earlier. We can go out yeah. group stages, but if we beat England, that's what I would focus on. So uh, yeah, I think we're, ha- we're happy to be there. I would, I would give up. I don't, I don't know. That's hard. Isn't it? I would give up not qualifying for another couple of World Cups just to beat we, England in this World Cup. If we beat England <laughs> in the World Cup, the only World Cup we've been alive for, I would be happily never getting to one again. <laughs> 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 because that would always be the memory, in it. The World Cup we qualified for, and we were better than England. Yeah, yeah. That, that would be it. that would be good. That would be a good one to always refer back to for the rest of my life, in it. Well, we did get to the World Cup once, and um, yeah, we beat the arch enemy. So, yeah. yeah. Well, let's, yeah. Modification of that question: uh, What's the first thing you do after after you do defeat uh, England? Do you huh. take off all your clothes and run down the street, or do you? Uh, I get very drunk to the point yeah. where I probably can't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> then make sure you DVR the game so that you remember. Yeah, but yeah. I'll go back the highlights the next game. That's the next day. Like, oh, oh no, we did win. That's why I'm in this state. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, well, we're getting towards the end of our show here, but uh, I do want to, I do want to thank Luke and Lee from the Swanscast uh, podcast for being on here. We always like to end with a shout out. So, in other words, uh, end with a little positivity, and uh, this is where we. Put out, put out, uh, put out there any uh, uh, shout outs to friends, family, uh, important people in your life or places or things. Uh, Rich, why don't you kick us off? Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to give a shout out to our hometown um, baseball club, Seattle Mariners for, for bringing some uh, much needed joy back to my life. They made the playoffs for the first time uh, in 21 years. And it was kind of cool to be able to share that with, my kids who were old enough to remember the Mariners now in the playoffs, like they got to watch them do that. Um, so that was, that was super fun. That's uh, brought a lot of joy to my life. And I would like to give a shout out to all the firefighters out there. We had horrendous forest fires and luckily the winds, the winds are changing. The rain has come and uh, uh, hopefully there's some relief for, for all those men and women out there who are, who are working tirelessly to, to, to save our environment. Uh, Luke? Um, I got a bit of a jokey one, but I'd love to give a shout out for Liz Trust for the shortest time <laughs> Prime Minister um, in the UK and to single handedly bring down the pound better than anyone has ever managed. So thank you very much for that. We all appreciate it. Brilliant. Lee? I'll, uh, I'll stay a bit close to home. I'll give a shout out to my uh, fiance who recently got engaged. Uh, oh, to Francesca, great. so we just got engaged. So that's my that's my shout out. Engaged to you, right? Engaged to me. Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. I just I congratulations, <laughs> congratulations. Congratulations. That's great. Congratulations. Uh, Luke Lee, where can uh, once again where can people find you on Twitter and uh, YouTube? Right. Uh, just type in Swans Cast in any of them, and we should come up. So yeah, Twitter for social media. That's where we're most active. Um, YouTube, if you want to watch the video form podcast. And Spotify, I guess, is the biggest place. But yeah, for the audio, we have all the podcasts on both. But, and you just got yeah. your 500th sub? No, we're getting there. So getting there. Okay. there, that would be our next big milestone. We're trying to push towards. So if you can help us out, we'd really appreciate it. But thank <laughs> you very much. Hey. Cool. All right. So thank you, everybody, for joining us this week on the Seattle Sports Union Podcast. My name is Abraham Deuce. On behalf of Richard A. Michelson, the Ram, and Luke and Lee from Swanscast, we'll see you guys next time. Thank you.